0: Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm your host, Taylor Rockwell. And as the title of this episode has probably already told you, today I'm going to be talking to Graham Ruffin about all things La Liga. Uh, Graham has lots of answers to lots of questions, including where will Luis Suarez end up, why Real Madrid uh, are not pursuing signings this summer, the snafu reality of Barcelona, the most likely challengers for the top four, and why Hitafe are definitely winning La Liga this season. You'll have to listen all the way through for that one to make sense. But before we get to Graham, I wanted to talk about Daryl for a moment. Uh, If you're very new to the Total Soccer Show, my usual co-host, Daryl Grove, and I started the show together back in 2009. It's been going strong ever since. However, Daryl has been living with a colon and liver cancer diagnosis since January of 2019, thereabouts. As some of you may know, he's been taking part in a clinical trial in Boston that has been helping manage things. Unfortunately, we've recently learned that the treatment is no longer working. So he and his doctors are currently in the process of investigating new trials Uh, my conversations with him Daryl remains as strong and optimistic as ever which is not surprising given that that's how Daryl tends to be but is still very impressive and pretty much just amazing given what he and his wife Shannon have gone through the last as I said 20 or so months I know that's some heavy news to get at the start of the show we wanted to be transparent about the situation given that he wasn't on the program last week uh, probably won't be on it again this week I should note that he's doing uh, again as well as can be expected but isn't really checking Twitter or Facebook so he appreciates all the positivity, positivity and energy you might want to send, and you can. Just know that he likely maybe won't be able to respond to each and every message sent his way. That said, we are both extremely, extremely thankful for all the love and support that we have received from our little community. Uh, please know that you all continuing to listen to the show obviously matters a great deal, but is nothing compared to the just kind of outpouring of positivity and warmth you all have provided over the last two-ish years, uh, and before that, obviously, but in terms of Daryl's diagnosis, the last two-ish years. Uh, so we love you all. I would say hug your loved ones. Thank you for being wonderful. And so I don't get overly emotional on the air today. I'll just say that Wolves are overrated. I hope Daryl appreciates that. Uh, I'm going to take a moment to pause, since it seems like a bit quick to go from that update to chatting about La Liga. So a moment of reflection,
1: and then when you next hear from me, I'll be chatting to Graham Ruffin. Joining me on the line is our old
0: friend, a man who never cheats on his Italian language exams or at least <laughs> cheats well enough not to get investigated by the Italian government. It's Graham Ruthven. Graham, hello. Hi, Taylor. How are you? I am doing well. I'm assuming that's the case. Have you ever been investigated by the Italian authorities for cheating on a language exam?
1: Uh, I'll, never t- I'll never tell. I'll okay. never tell. That will, uh, Stay with me. <laughs> I've, uh, I've done some things that I'm ashamed <laughs> of and... <laughs> <laughs> we're not proud of, but,
0: you know, in the end, you were cleared. It's fine. Uh, as my intro yep. suggests, I do want to start with Luis Suarez because he seems sort of key in a couple different possible moves. He's either, mm-hmm. depending on what you're reading and when you're reading it, he's either definitely leaving Barcelona or not leaving Barcelona or definitely signing for Juve or not or signing for Atletico or not or maybe getting <laughs> lawyers involved. What, do you, what is the latest as far as you've seen and what you understand and where do you think he might end up?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it hinges on his contract and whether he can get out of his contract at Barcelona. Um, he he wants to leave on a free. Um, there may be a, an option where he can he can actually buy out his contract, and whether that is uh, he's he's helped by another club in doing that. That's kind of the the issue. He do, he does have a, a couple options, as as you kind of mentioned there. Um, Atletico yeah, Atletico Madrid and, and Juventus um, seem to be the. The two front runners for him, Atletico Madrid, now seemingly ahead, and um, that Juventus have made other moves for other players, which makes this Italian uh, language exam mm. and citizenship, citizenship test episode all the more peculiar. Is that he, he, he's going through this? He obviously wants to kind of keep his options open. Juventus don't have a, another non-EU space on their on the roster, so. He's hoping to to get an Italian passport so that that makes that move easier. But to be honest, it does look more likely that he's going to end up at Atletico Madrid. But there are issues at at, at Atleti with whether they can get um, Diego Costa out of of, of the club, Alvaro Morata. I'm actually not sure if that deal has been announced. I know he was arriving in Mm Turin last night. I'm not sure if I've missed that at, at, at the time recording. But he pretty much seems like he's on his way to Juventus as well, which obviously ties into the... The Suarez deal, because if uh, Juventus get Murata, then, you know, their need for, for someone like Suarez is, is maybe not so intense. Although the suggestions are that they might still also be interest, interested for uh, in Luis Suarez. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. Um, and also, of course, when, if Suarez is going to Atleti, then are Barcelona going to bring in Memphis? Because Memphis, Depay is on hold basically he has agreed terms with barcelona but barcelona need to get players out of the club before they can get him so this is a this is a row of dominoes across european football and we just need one to fall and and the others will, will follow
0: so then if barcelona need to get people out the door is that where we're sort of in an impasse with luis suarez that they don't necessarily like they're not trying to hold on to him the way they were messi because they need him in the team my assumption is that they're holding on to him because they want a transfer fee is that the issue
1: yeah, and that's that's been the issue for Barcelona all summer long. Was I don't know if you remember um, Bartomeu, the genius that he is, came out at the start of the summer and said these are the players that we consider the untouchables, as he called them, and these are the players that can that can leave. And there were only seven players he considered untouchable. So all of a sudden, any club that was interested in a Barcelona player this summer now has the leverage in negotiations that they now know Barcelona don't want those players. And 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 Suarez was one of the the non. Uh, untouchables uh, the the touchable I suppose you could call them (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh, yeah so Juventus Atletico Madrid anyone else that's been interested in Luis Suarez there there has been very tentative reports he could go back to the Premier League, but I'm not entirely sure what what club. There's never been a club that's been mentioned. But anyone that's been interested in him has said, "Look, we don't want to pay a fee." It was the same with Arturo Vidal. He's he's going to Inter or has gone to Inter again. I'm, I think that announcement was was either today. You had I think he was having his medicals either uh, today or tomorrow. Um, and so Inter don't want to to pay a fee for him. And 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 it's 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 similar with a number of players that Barcelona want to get rid of. They they made very clear their negotiating stance, and that's made it difficult for them.
0: So then things like... Already kind of difficult with Barcelona and seem to be getting more difficult. Uh, The situation does, though, seem a little bit more settled than when you talked with Daryl in August. I wouldn't say it necessarily seems fixed, but maybe it's better. Messi is back in training and has been, I'm assuming, reincorporated. How do you think he is getting along with Ronald Koeman? How do you think Ronald Koeman is dealing with that? Because in that podcast, you guys were talking a little bit about how there was the argument that Messi moving on might actually be easier for Ronald Koeman. It allows him to have a little bit more freedom in the squad. What do you think he will do? How do you think he's adjusted to Lionel Messi being back with the team?
1: Yeah, I've been reading the the Catalan press on this because obviously they have they have the, the inside information on the on the relationship between Coman and, and, and Messi. It seems to be quite standoffish. I think it's fair to say that I don't think they are in open warfare with each other. I, I, I don't think it's a frosty relationship, but I, I equally don't think it's a particularly warm relationship at, at this moment in time. I think Messi is very much of a mind still um again going through inside information that is that is not mine. I think he's very much of a mind that he's he's leaving next summer. Um and so he is just getting on with his job that he's be getting paid for. I think his love for Barcelona is genuine. I know footballers a lot of the time will will play up that for for a club a love for a club, but I think it is genuine so he doesn't want to drop to the boat too much. He is willing to work for Coleman. I think his system, Coman's system, that, he's, that he is trying with kind of two up front um, and then Messi in a deeper position, it could actually work. And I think Messi in that friendly against Girona, which is the only real glimpse we've had of Barcelona under Coman so far, um, things look pretty positive. There were there were a number of uh, good signs and Messi was, was brilliant in that game. And it was just a reminder of, oh, yes, right. That's why Barcelona need Lionel mm-hmm. Messi. He is the best player in the world. He is the, the beating heart of, of their team. Um, he creates and he scores for them you know I, I think some people maybe forgot that over the summer maybe even myself you know just uh, uh, underestimating just how much he does for that team and how how big a task it would be to replace him so yes um, one to watch I think it's fair to say I think it's It's more it, it, you know um, Valverde and Messi always got on well and Setian and Messi from the start it seemed didn't get on well and I think Coleman and Messi is going to be further towards the latter but Messi does understand it's the start of a the season. There are trophies to be won, and he's not rocking the rocking the boat yet. But let's just see what happens if there's some bad results at the start of the season. That, that, as I say, one to watch.
0: So obviously, you are not in the locker room unless you're very good at hiding. Uh, but like, w- <laughs> when you say they didn't get along, I, don't, I I I I say that up front to say like I know there's a chance that you probably are not able to answer this, but I, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask anyway. Like what do you think that is that like Messi gets along with one manager doesn't get along with another? Is it that that manager comes in and like Messi just doesn't like the philosophy, doesn't like their approach. Is it a personal thing? Is it a footballing thing? Like, like if you had to guess, what do you think it is that sort of makes that difference?
1: Yes. it's it's, it's a very good question because from manager to manager, it has been different things. I mean, with the the two managers that Messi has got on best with, unsurprisingly, are are Pep Guardiola and, and Luis Enrique. Um, both players who were legends for Barcelona. So in those, in those two, sorry, managers that were uh, legends as players. So in those two instances, um, maybe just the, the, the aura of, of those two players as, as the fact that they had standing at Barcelona. The other, the exception was uh, Ernesto Valverde, who even though things got pretty bad for him towards the end and there were players that he didn't get on with in that Barcelona team, Messi was never one of them. In fact, when he was sacked, Messi was was said to be pretty upset that, that, that he had been sacked. I, I, I don't actually have the answer to why mm-hmm. he got on well with Ernesto Valverde so much. Um, I suppose if I had to guess, the difference between Setien and, and Valverde is that Valverde was quite happy to let Messi be an individual in the team, whereas Setien came in, he was much more about the system and the team. And um, wanting Messi to to fit into into a certain style of play, and while that you know Setien's ideas there weren't, I, I don't think totally unreasonable. I, I I think that Messi at this stage of his career probably does need a structure around them that supports him and, and and allows him to to rest during games. That's the thing Messi always does is he doesn't rest in many full games, but he'll rest for periods during games. And Setien kind of was 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 trying to. Um, make that happen a little bit more, and and Coleman has tried to. Coleman is is more towards Setien, as I say, and that he want. He's he's emphasised the structure, and he wants the team to be about more than Lionel Messi. So that's why I say that, that it's it's one to watch, and and it could still go the way of of Kiki Setien. But yeah, I think from manager to manager, it, it is different for for Messi. I mean. Uh, uh, Tata Martino was was a manager that Messi got on well with, knowing him in, in in Argentina, and, and he was neither a, a Barcelona legend nor someone that that when you know allowed Messi to play as an individual um, like Valverde did. So I don't think there's a flat answer for that, mm-hmm. but the, the early signs with the common relationship is it it it's standoffish, but for now functional. So. Uh,
0: Coleman then wants them to be a team or a club that are like more than Lionel Messi, wants their tactics to be more than Lionel Messi. But from what I've read, doesn't necessarily want them to be a club that are all about the youth players coming through from the academy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kuman saying, I think like Ricky Puj especially, or signal- like, like kind of signaling him out as like, that's a player who maybe isn't necessarily in his plans right now. Has that been overblown or is that the case that Ronald Kuman maybe isn't so impressed with the uh, players coming through La Masia?
1: It's certainly, in the case of in the, in the case, sorry, of of Ricky uh, Pugge, which right. is a, a really interesting one, because actually, if you'd asked me even a week ago, before those quotes came out from Coleman, um, about a player who really could suit Coleman and, and and it could be set for a big season, it would have been him. Um, he's looked brilliant in every Barcelona game I played. I was that uh, I played <laughs> <laughs> that he's played. <laughs> I played zero games for Barcelona uh, yet. officially. Anyway. Zero games, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's still time. Um, but yes, uh, he's been told basically he can he can leave on loan. That Barcelona might even entertain offers for him to leave permanently. And and this is the kind of paradox of Barcelona summer is that they have a lot of good young players coming through. And I think we might talk about one a mm-hmm. little bit later. But they're so strapped for cash that if an offer comes in for one of them, that they're likely to accept it. You know that they they need money especially if they can't move on someone like Luis Suarez, who's on massive, massive wages. Um, you know, Vidal go, moving on is probably going to ease that situation a little bit, as is Nelson Semedo um, going to Wolves. But uh, with Pugue and, uh, you know, a number of, of other uh, players, you know, they could, they could be sold just, be, just purely because if an offer for €40 million Euros comes in from a club, Barcelona might might want to 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 balance the books a little bit, but he, he's an exceptional player. I'm I'm a little bit shocked. I sent it to a <laughs> I sent that those quotes to a Barcelona supporting friend of mine as soon as I saw them, and his reaction was uh, predictable to those quotes. <laughs> uh, Barcelona <laughs> fans see uh, see him as 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 almost a an Iniesta successor. I mean, he is he is there, obviously there's a long way for him to get from where he is now to any levels, but in terms of pure talent, he is he is of that sort of standard and of that mold. And so to see him um and openly say, and that was the other thing as well, to be so open about it um in, in the media was pretty shocking and, and and doesn't say a lot for any young players. I mean, Barcelona for so long have been uh, champions of youth, and and not only have they brought through players from Catalonia, but they've they've attracted players from around the world to La Masia, like they did with Messi for bringing him from from Argentina. And I just think those quotes from Coleman are maybe not going to help their sales pitch to 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 young players um, who are, are making the move to La Masia as twelve year old, thirteen year old, fourteen year old. If if the, if a player of his standard is is, is being cast aside like that, if, it doesn't say a great deal.
0: Hey folks, quick interruption from me. There is still a lot of La Liga to be discussed, more than just Barcelona and Real Madrid, I promise you that. But first, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is not a wonderful spoon that will grant all your wishes. It is delicious cereal that is also for adults. But that doesn't mean it's the like Patton Oswalt, uh, beige box... Brown cereal, no flavor, sadness box. What it is is basically delicious food that is also good for you. Zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, only three net carbs in each serving. There are four flavors to choose from. There would be cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Uh, I, I I think I lean frosted on that one. I am a Frosted Flakes sort of guy. Uh, they taste amazing, but they are healthier than Frosted Flakes, and that is the key thing. They are keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free, Guilt-free is the gist of it all. If you want to see what they have on offer or maybe uh, grab a variety pack, you could go to magicspoon.com/tss to try it today. Be sure to use our promo code TSS at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Barcelona won't do that, Real Madrid won't do that, but Magic Spoon will. That's magicspoon.com/tss and use code TSS for free. Shipping. Thank you very much to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Thank you very much to Graham Ruffin for pausing patiently while I did this ad read. Let's get back to him answering my questions. So, there are still those maybe some young players who we think could factor for Kuman, if not Ricky Puj. Uh My question then for you is who do you think plays more minutes for Barcelona this season, Conrad de la Fuente or Serginho Dest? <laughs>
1: Well, well, I shouldn't be surprised by that answer. We, 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 by that question, sorry. We Scots are very excited about Andy Robertson and uh, Kieran Tierney uh, playing a lot of Premier League minutes. So oh, yeah, I imagine. Let me tell you, nothing will change. Your national team will still be terrible if if, if, <laughs> uh, if Scotland's example is anything to go by. It will just, be, it'll, it'll just become more frustrating that you, that you are still terrible. That you, there's no answers as to why you're still terrible because you've got good players.
0: It, um, I laugh because it's funny and sad all at once. Thanks for that.
1: <laughs> um the answer to that I will I will go out on a limb and say Des.
0: Really? I now yeah.
1: that yes. Oh. I think Samedo that I think they needed to get rid of Nelson Cemedo very quickly and that is why that deal has been accelerated this week, is because I think Barcelona are uh, desperate to get uh Sergino Des from from Ajax. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's one of the the best young right backs in in Europe. Um, Conrad is 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 very good, and I've and I've seen him. I saw I watched him in that in that game against uh, Girona, and he brings him something a little bit different. Um, he is a, a winger in the way that Barcelona they they do have a winger uh, on the right side by the name of Ousmane Dembele, but oh, yeah. he he has become a bit of a forgotten man at Barcelona. So in terms of the balance of, the, of both their books and their squad, if Barcelona were able to bring through Conrad this season and somehow find a buyer for Dembele and get those those uh, wages off the book, then I, I think that, that could be a, a pretty good deal for them and they could end up kind of keeping the balance of their squad and having someone like Conrad to to stretch the pitch, um, which is what he does. The other thing that, that struck me watching against Girona, and maybe it's just... Uh, uh, Alfonso uh, having watching having watched Alfonso Davis mm-hmm. for for Bayern Munich last season was you know maybe his opportunities come at left back or left wing back um, Barcelona have there's an opportunity there for for someone because um Junior Firpo, who was signed last summer, hasn't really impressed. And there's already suggestions he's another one of these players who, if there's a good offer for him, he'll be he'll be off in the summer. He's attachable, um, not a untouchable. Gotcha. Yeah, he's he's touchable. yeah. And uh, Jord, Jordi Alba is still first choice. Still a good player, but is is into the twilight of his career now. He's picking up injuries more often. So watching that game, there is there's still a, a conversion to happen there. There's a there's a transformation to happen because he's still a winger, but. Uh, uh, you know Alfonso Davis was was a winger at, at Bayern Munich and, and and I just wonder if maybe if Barcelona are using a wing back system um, which they do on occasion then then maybe that's where Conrad will get his minutes and that that's maybe where um I could have a different answer for you is if there's a if there's a wing back system then yeah maybe Conrad fits in there but um yeah Conrad on one side and Dest on the other side yeah. you know the, the the American flag would be flying high which yeah. would be America be- wins
0: 2026 World Cup. That's how it goes, Graham. I, I don't know if you haven't gotten that script yet. You didn't know that that was how what, it was going down.
1: S- Scotland losing in the final. I'll yeah. Take that. yeah,
0: that's fair. I'll, I'll take that trade. I'm fine with that. Um, you mentioned Osman Dembele earlier. Uh, I, my, my final question about Barcelona, I do have other teams I'd like to discuss, uh, was going to be, who do you think could be poised for a big season, given the kind of transitional state of Barcelona? My, Hope I don't know why, but I was hoping it was Ousmane Dembele because I kind of want him to come good. Uh, but it sounds mm-hmm. like maybe you're not thinking it's him. So who do you think could be poised for a sort of massive breakout season?
1: Well, I don't know about a breakout season because he, he's already um, considered one of the best midfielders in the world on his day. But I think Frankie de Jong has mm-hmm. to be set for a, a pretty big season at, at Barcelona. Last season... It was used in kind of strange ways, asked to to drift out to the left wing at, at times, and, and while he's not a, a holding midfielder by any stretch, he he does like to get forward. He was he was then also asked to play as a kind of number ten on the edge of the box and pretty much anywhere bar his, his natural position in the in the center of the pitch where he can have the most influence. And and I think now this season there is a, a recognition that Particularly Sergio Busquets, I think is I think there's a recognition now that he needs to be phased out of the team. And this season he can't play every game as he did last season. He, he, he towards the end of last season he he was in pretty poor form and 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 it's largely down to his physicality. It's just it's just not there anymore. He can't cover the ground across the midfield as he as he used to. So I think we're going to see much more of Frankie De Jong this season. Of course, Koeman knows him well, having worked with him at a, in, in the Netherlands national team. So I think this is the season that Frenkie de Jong, who always looked like a, a Barcelona player, you know, it, it seemed natural that he would go to Barcelona he, he from Ajax last summer. I think he's going to have a big season. So yes, maybe not a breakout season because we all know what Frankie de Jong yeah. can do. But in terms of a breakout Barcelona season, yeah, he's my bet.
0: Uh, I, actually, I should ask, do you know where we are on the vote of no confidence uh, and the, the kind of collection of surveys and where, where we are in that process?
1: Yeah, so I think either yesterday or the day before, they, they hit the, the 15% of members needed um, to to force a, a vote of no confidence. So that 20,000 members at the last count, last time I checked, um, have signed this, this, this motion, this censorship motion, which means there will now be... Uh, a vote on bartomeo's future at the start of November, um, which uh, you know, I don't think there's any other big votes uh, at the start of November uh, no, this year. No, no, no. You know, just that one, just that. No, one. just just <laughs> just the bartomeo vote. Yeah, everybody, please vote. Uh, please vote. Please vote. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, uh, and yeah, so he could be forced to resign uh, if I think it's two thirds of the vote, sixty six percent. They need. Um, of the the full membership I believe it is it's not just the 20,000 that's signed now so now it goes out to the full membership of the club so 66% t- vote against him he will be forced to resign which then there's another <laughs> it's a never ending uh, nightmare for Barcelona because I think it's then January, February that he then gets to stay until um, so he will eke that out so, but if they leave it any longer if they leave it until March which is when the elections are meant to happen uh, next year, as currently stands, then uh, Bartomeu gets to stay until the summer. And of course, the summer with the, being the transfer window, you know, it's is a big opportunity for, for for real overhaul of the team and overhaul of everything about the club. So Barcelona just want to get him out as quickly as possible with a view to next summer being when they make real changes. So that's where that is at the moment.
0: So you're saying there's concern about a November election and if things go as expected or as they could go, there's also concern about what could happen in a lame duck situation. Huh, that's not relatable at all. Um, no. I, I, <laughs> then, I, I did then like wonder, is there anybody more pleased with the sort of relative chaos at Barcelona than the decision makers at Real Madrid? And I mean that <laughs> not from the like obvious perspective of Real Madrid-Barcelona rivals, but because Real Madrid themselves have had a strange offseason to my understanding moving, I think at the time of recording, 16 players this summer, either on permanent deals or loans. They have not brought in any new faces aside from uh, loan returnees. Do you think that that is sort of rooted in Looking at Barcelona and thinking, we beat this team last year, they don't look that much better, so we can sort of ride things as they are? Or was this always sort of going to be the plan? Because from what I've read, there's an idea of we're going to stabilize the books now, and then next summer is when we'll spend that money on certain players, namely
1: Kylian Mbappe. Yes, you beat me to my point okay. right at the end there. This this whole program, I mean, there, there's a little part of it, as you say there, we, we, Real Madrid did need to balance the books a little bit. Their wage bill was was out of control, particularly through a a certain Welshman and a certain yeah. Colombian who are now out of the club. Although the Welshman's uh, still got one foot in the club, <laughs> they, they need to pull, push him completely out of the club next summer. But um, yes, uh, that was that was part of uh, a big part of it was they, they were their wage bill was was a little little bit crippling. The other part of it is they are preparing, I think, by all accounts um, everything that I read, everything that I hear is they're preparing for a big bid for a certain Frenchman next Mm -hmm. summer um, who had posters of Cristiano Ronaldo on his wall as a kid. Um, So he is also, it feels like, preparing for a a move to to Real Madrid uh, killing Mbappe for anyone who doesn't know who we're talking about. Um, So yeah, that's basically, I think, what they are preparing for and yeah, they, had Barcelona been in better shape this summer, maybe it would have been different. Maybe Real Madrid would have moved for, an, for another target, um, like they did uh, last summer with Hazard. The, 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 last summer, that by, by all accounts, they, uh similar situation. They were preparing for Mbappe this summer. Then they felt, well, maybe that's not going to happen. So we'll go and sign Hazard now and just kick the Mbappe can further down the line a little bit. But Barcelona's crisis has made Real Madrid pretty confident in, in their squad, as it is. It's a strange squad at the moment, I have to say, particularly with injuries. I mean, Real Madrid started their La Liga campaign against uh, Sociedad on Sunday. Hazard is injured. Marco Sencio is injured. Isco, I think, is injured as well. So their squad, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you're looking at those those attacking positions, which last season were, were stacked with options. And at the weekend, you had uh, Marvin Park, Coming on, who is? Uh, I, I don't know if you how much, uh, if your listeners or yourself know much about Martin Park, but what, what I know story nothing about him. <laughs> is. So, born in Majorca, spent three years at Tranmere Rovers uh, in England. Do. Yes, uh, he's twenty years old. He he can play for South Korea or Nigeria. But has so far declared to play for Spain. <laughs> he has about had the strangest uh, career path to date, and he's a pretty, a pretty talented kind of attacking winger. Um, and made his debut against Sociedad at the weekend. Looked pretty good, but he's not a he's not a a, a proven option for Real Madrid. And, and the other one was Sergio uh, Arribas, who who came on for his uh, debut at the weekend. So that kind of that kind of underlined they came on as well for sorry to extend this point further but they came on for Rodrigo and Vinicius Junior who are two young players in, the, in, in, in themselves so it's 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 quite a shallow squad at the moment with, without uh, Hazard and, and Asensio um, those incidentally Marvin Park and Aribas coming on meant that Real Madrid were the first team to play four players born after 2000 and won La Liga game which made me feel incredibly old yeah. and I'm 29
0: yeah <laughs> I'm not feeling particularly young right now. Thanks for that, Graham. Uh, yeah, I was not familiar with Marvin. Uh, you can find him listed as Marvin if you, like me, were completely unfamiliar with him and trying to desperately figure out who he was. There you go. All right, I'm excited to hear about Marvin. I am, I must say, excited for what this season could hold from Martin Odegaard, who does play this weekend, starts in sort of that number 10 spot. Do you think we will see a decent amount of him this season, or was this a start sort of necessitated by some of the injuries you mentioned?
1: No, I think we will see a lot of, of Odegaard this season. I think what is more of a question is how he's going yeah. to fit into that midfield. Because at the weekend, he played, uh, started the game anyway, alongside Kroos and, and Modric. And when I saw that team come out and the team sheet, you know, the obvious question there is, well, OK, where's the defensive structure coming from out of those three? Because Casemiro has been a Zidane first pick for years and years because of what he brings on the, on the defensive side of the game. And he's he's on the bench, and none of those three players, you know, crosses can play as 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 a six at push maybe, but he's he's not a particularly great defensive player. So and and during the game, it, it proved to be a little bit of an issue. I mean, the, I think Zidane is trying to mask it through high press. So one of the things I noticed was all three of all three of them were were pressing really really high on uh, Sociedad whenever they had the ball, but Sociedad. Through players like Mika Marino and, and David Silva, of course, when he came on off the bench, are, are very good in the ball. And there was a number of times where they would just ping a few passes around Real Madrid, and Real Madrid would be exposed. You know, with a, a player, an opposition player running towards the the penalty box. So it is something that Zidane has definitely got to to figure out. Um, some people have mentioned maybe a, a midfield diamond could work with Casemiro at the bench. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, at the base, and then. Um, Odegaard, Kroos and Modric and 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 the, and the other three positions but then you know where does Hazard fit in where does Asensio fit in where you know where does any kind of wide uh, you know wingers fit into that team it, it's a difficult one for Zidane I, I do think we will see a lot of Odegaard he's too he's too talented not to play I think last season last season he was one of the the best players in the league particularly before lockdown he had a, a bit of a dip after uh, after the coronavirus uh, hiatus but uh Yes, he will play, and I'm, I'm 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 excited to see him play finally for Real Madrid yeah. because of course he seems to have been around forever, um, having signed for a six uh, as a 16 year old for Real yeah. Madrid and has, has barely played for Real Madrid. So, yes, I think people should be excited. He's he's too talented not to make an impact, but where on the pitch that's going to be, I'm not so sure. And I don't think Zidane knows that either right now.
0: What do you think Zidane is feeling about Aiden Hazard, uh, who, as you said, did not play this weekend, is still recovering from injury? I am not a Real Madrid fan, uh, and with all the kind of craziness of our modern world, I tend to sort of like, if they're not actively playing, if they're not doing things, it's easy to sort of lose track of them. That is where I am with Hazard. And so I'm sort of asking this from here is my like assumption that I am happy to be completely incorrect. But my assumption, mostly based on headlines and a few stories, is that things have not gone well. And aren't definitely improving. If that makes sense, is that mm-hmm. is that accurate? And if so, what do you think is the issue? What needs to happen for Hazard to sort of rise to that level that was expected?
1: Yeah, it might be a little harsh to say it's not gone well, but mm-hmm. I think it's certainly true to say it's not gone as as well as most people had hoped or even expected for him at, at, at Real Madrid. He, his his injury record has been a a real problem for him since he since he arrived uh, last summer. Let's let's not forget Real Madrid paid, um, and there are actually conflicting reports over this. So it, it's it's either as as little as a hundred million euros or as 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 much as a hundred and sixty million euros. Between that amount, um, they paid Chelsea to to sign Hazard a year before the end of his contract, so they could have had him for free this summer. His first season at Real Madrid didn't. He only played, I think, sixteen games in, in the Liga. Um, he had an injury at the start of the season. Then there were questions over his fitness. Um, there was he looked overweight to be quite frank, and 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 Hazard has been pretty open about that. There's a quote that, I mean, you've you've got to love him in a sense. there's a quote that says, uh, "When I holiday, uh, I like to. Uh, when I go on holiday, I like to holiday," <laughs> or some words words to those effect. You know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. So he he did come come back a, a little bit uh, overweight, and that took him a little bit time to to get up to speed. Then he picked up another injury, I think in November, and then another one in February. And his season looked pretty much over until obviously, you know, the world ended in in March. And then he came back and and he looked better in in the, the period after lockdown. But again, that, you know, he struggled to play at two games in a week or three games in a week as it was at that time. And now... He's got another injury in preseason, and there are questions over his fitness. Apparently, in according to the Madrid press, he came back from preseason again a little bit overweight. And Zidane is, is you know, not happy. Um, I have to say this. This is all kind of tabloid reporting at, mm-hmm. at this stage. Um, so uh, you know, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but that's certainly the the line in in the Madrid press that Zidane's not happy how uh, Hazard has, has come back for preseason. He's not featuring again at the start of the season. They certainly could have used him against Sociedad and Real Madrid have dropped two points already. So, yes, it's not going well. And this is a big season for Eden Hazard at Real Madrid because as we've seen with players like Gareth Bale and James Rodriguez, you know, this is a club that doesn't wait around for players to get good. Even really, really talented players, um, you know, Hazard is not immune from that. And so... Real Madrid and and their fans will be looking to him this season to 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 make a difference and 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 to be one of their their leaders and one of their best players and one of their difference makers and at the moment he's he's just a long way from that but in in terms of his fitness he doesn't look capable of playing two games in a week which with Real Madrid um competing on four fronts or what three fronts for trophies um is a problem for a player like him and and yes yeah, it's, it's not going terribly well at the moment but It should be said he's a hugely talented player. He could turn it around um, and we could be looking back at next summer and saying, well, all those questions were answered. But make no mistake, there are questions.
0: Hey, everybody, this is Taylor interrupting one more time to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Hims, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. That's for Uh 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. Zinedine Zidane definitely can attest to that. The issue is that once you've noticed the thinning hair, it can be too late. So if you are starting to see those signs, if you feel like maybe possibly you're going that Zidane route, the best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some, but rather than turn to weird solutions like uh, faking being fluent in Italian to pass an Italian citizenship exam, uh, you could instead go to an actual doctor for hims.com connects you with licensed medical professionals online key point there that saves you hours but it's also completely confidential and discreet so it saves you that as well uh, you answer a few quick questions a medical professional will review and if they determine it's right for you they will prescribe your medication to treat hair loss so that is shipped directly to your door and right now hims is giving you their best offer yet if you're not happy with the results after 90 days hims will give you a full refund again not a thing Barcelona and, and Real Madrid are willing to do but hims will uh, our listeners can Get their first visit absolutely free. Go to fourhims.com/slash-total-soccer. That's fourhims.com/slash-total-soccer. Here's your disclaimer: full refund of price paid available for first 90-day supply. Refund request must be made between 90 and 180 days after product shipment delivered. Prescription products require an online consultation with a medical professional who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and safety information. Remember that's fourhims.com/slash-total-soccer. Thank you very much to Hims for sponsoring today's episode. Now back one last time to Graham Ruffin. So there are questions at Real Madrid, there are obviously questions at Barcelona as well, that begs the age-old question of, does that sort of uncertainty with those two clubs realistically open the door for another club to potentially finish top of the table? Or are we basically still expecting it to be the top two, being the top two, and then other clubs challenge at various points but still aren't quite able to close that gap?
1: I think uh, just the nature of Spanish football, that seems the the most uh, likely scenario is that these two clubs will still finish top of La Liga. Unfortunately for Atleti, they're also going through a little bit of a, a kind of transitional period at the moment, particularly up front, Simeone's having real trouble um, just finding a striker that that fits his system and also scores goals. I mean, how many strikers have Atleti gone through in the last few years? As we, we, going back to the start of our chat, you know, uh, Morata's off to mm-hmm. Juventus. It seems they're interested in in Suarez, Costas being touted around clubs to see if anyone will take him. Cavani is still a free agent and has as just this week there are reports that he's been offered to both Atletico Madrid and. Uh, and uh, Real Madrid as well, mm. um, potentially making a, a move for him. So it, it, Atleti are having trouble as well, which is unfortunate because if they were really strong at the moment, then you would say, well, this is their chance to 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 make to you know to have a sustained title challenge. There's been a lot of talk in Spain about a severe title challenge after they won the Europa League and they had a pretty strong season last year, finishing fourth, eventually. Um, Lopetegui as 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 once again regarded as one of the best coaches in Spain after a brief period of being the David Moyes of Spanish football, and uh, but they similar to Atletico Madrid they they're lacking a striker as well. I mean, Luke de Jong <laughs> found the best form, the, the, you know the form of his life in the Europa League uh, latter stages, particularly against Manchester United. But this is a guy who didn't break double figures last season. For a team that creates a lot of chances, I think Lucas Acampas was was Sevilla's top scorer last year. And I think he got maybe about 14 goals, um, which is a decent haul for a, for a winger. But as a top scorer on a team that are hoping to challenge for the title, it's, it, it's not enough. Um, so, yeah, there is definitely an opportunity in Spain for someone to, to crash the party. The door is open. It's just that unfortunately, there's not a, there's not a clear candidate of anyone who who could do that, um, which is a shame because as a neutral, it'd be great to see someone else mount a title challenge. But perhaps Sevilla, maybe Sevilla, if they can find a, a goal scorer, but you know they're quite difficult to find.
0: Uh, well, let, I want to stick with goal scoring for a moment, uh, but I want to stick with it from an Atlético perspective. You said Diego Simeone kind of still struggling to find the striker that fits his system. Who would be the, like the, if money weren't an issue, who would be the ideal striker? Like, is it just still Antoine Griezmann and they're looking to replace him or have they sort of <laughs> evolved and he just needs something else entirely?
1: No, it's Griezmann. I'm okay. oh, sorry, I'm just laughing because uh, I just think it's funny that they're just scrambling around, you know, to, to basically every striker, available striker in Europe has been linked with Atletico Madrid at some point. Uh, in the last year, and and the player that they needs is Antoine Griezmann. Yeah, they, they they've got a, a system that still has a a massive Antoine Griezmann shaped hole in it, um, and they they have, you know, some players have done well, and Angel Correa has has done well sort of, as in, in, a, in a Griezmann-esque position for Atleti last season. Uh, Marcus Llorente, I mean, he, he's he been fantastic for Atleti since moving into a, a much more attacking role, and I expect he'll continue that um, this season. But yeah, Griezmann, I think Suarez isn't a terrible idea, but, but Suarez, Atleti need the Suarez of three, four years ago, not the Suarez of 2020. So even that feels... Like a potentially bad idea if they laid uh, if they uh, laden themselves up with big his big wages and and he's n- not capable of playing similar to what we're saying about Hazard but it's slightly the, the difference with Suarez as you know he's he's older quite a, a bit older than Hazard but he's incapable of, of really playing two games in a week he, when he gets injured it's not just the period that he spends out injured it takes him three games to get back up to 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 speed again so yeah. Uh, a- a- Atletico Madrid have been through so many strikers, even going back to players like Jackson Martinez, who was a club record signing at the time, and he was gone within six months. Um, Fernando Torres, you remember, went back to Atletico Madrid. Yeah. It's re- it's really the the big weak point, the 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 big you know black spot on Simeone's record is the fact that he he he's unable, he's unca- incapable, sorry, unable to to find strikers that fit his system. And when, when he does, the, it works brilliantly as we as we saw with Griezmann, as we saw with Costa in in, in his first spell. But um and of course with uh you know uh, um Falcao, Falcao was a was a Simeone striker at the start. I think he was I, yeah, that, I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, Even a, Was Aguero there still or had he already moved? No, I that think, I think, tighter, I think right? Aguero had, yeah, yeah but I think that was a bit before, but Falcao, I was trying to remember, had he gone or did he get a season under Simeone or a season or two? Yeah, he must have done because he, they won the Europa, or the UEFA Cup or whatever it was at the, at the time then, and I think Simeone. Yeah, so Falcao, uh, Costa, Griezmann, you know, they've all flourished under Simeone, but he struggles to find those figures and it and that, this summer that's uh, manifesting itself again. Is there a goal scorer that you think could work,
0: like either a name that's been linked with them, or just a name that you like watching La Liga or watching another league? Think like that feels like a Simeone player. That feels like a person who could do that Griezmann job pretty effectively.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no one that that, that jumps out at me. I mean, Raul de Thomas was was mentioned as a as a Espanyol got relegated at the end of last season, and and he had a brilliant. Um, Second half of the season, it was only through injury, really, that Espanyol got injury, injury to Raul uh, de Thomas, that Espanyol kind of went down. Had he been fit for the whole season, they they might have escaped relegation. He he was mentioned as a as a potential target. I could see that one maybe working. Um, he is a goal scorer. At least he scores goals uh, wherever he goes. He, he knows how he knows where the back of the net is. So. Maybe him and the, other, the the suggestion is that he wouldn't actually cost that much as well. Certainly, probably less than than Luis Suarez's wages. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one to answer. I'm not sure. Ironically, maybe Memphis Depay would would work relatively well in in, in the in the way that he's a, yeah. a Griezmann a Griezmann s figure and that the, he is a, a center forward, but not not a uh, orthodox center forward and 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 create space for others and and that might work um i do actually wonder how that's going to work for barcelona with memphis and and griezmann in the same team so maybe the hope for <laughs> Maybe the hope for Atleti is that you know Memphis does so well at Barcelona they don't have a need for Antoine Griezmann anymore and and they get him next summer uh, back at back at the club. So
0: stranger yeah. things have definitely happened. Uh, speaking of random players at Barcelona, Martin Braithwaite still alive, right? Still around?
1: <laughs> yes, the last I heard, yes, he's still there. Oh, that's good, good for him.
0: Um, let's talk about a couple other teams. Let's start with Valencia. Uh, last season quite rough. Two different full time managers. Some interim interim appearances as well, crash out of the Champions League, finish ninth in La Liga. My assumption was that things would improve under Javi Gracia, then they sell five first-team players, they lose this weekend. How much trouble are Valencia in this season?
1: Oh yeah, big trouble. I think uh, a lot of people in Spanish football are, are predicting that they are going the way of Malaga, to be quite frank, which is not what Valencia fans want to hear. Um, it, it, it's difficult to, to figure out What's gotten wrong at a boardroom level because they they obviously have a, a rich owner in, in Peter Lim and yes they have been hit hard by two things one not qualifying at all for European competition this season, and everything I read says that they they basically budget for that every every season um, so that's been a a bit of a disaster and then of course the the coronavirus pandemic but the coronavirus pandemic has you know has hit everyone um and they have sold you know basically everyone of, of worth uh, you know Rodrigo Ferran Torres Coquelin uh, Parejo, of course mm-hmm. uh, has, has, has gone to Villarreal so yes yeah, it's, it's looking difficult Yavi yeah, Garcia um, is a good coach I'm not sure he's good enough to mitigate the, the damage that has been done over the summer and um, they're relying on youth players coming through I think that's the one thing that that could sustain Valencia is that thankfully from their perspective Valencia have one of the best youth academies in Spain Um, and so there are a few young players coming through there Uh, I think Yavi Jimenez from the B team who did pretty well last season uh, the goalkeeper whose name Rivero uh, the goalkeeper mm-hmm. had, had a pretty good season in the B team last year so a bit that uh, goalkeepers maybe be the one position they're actually well set for with uh, Dominic and, and Sillison, um who I would expect one of those to leave before the end of the, the, the transfer window by the way to, to cash in a little bit more um, but yeah difficult season for Valencia I, I this is a relegation battle for them this is this is just a fight to, to stay in La Liga now um, and I as I say, they are, you know, a goalkeeper will leave before the end of the transfer window. There are there are other players in that squad that I would expect to leave as well before the end of the transfer window. So I, I think there's more damage to be done. Are they
0: all just going to go to Villarreal or was that just Parejo and Cocalin?
1: <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's not far away, is it? You know, you could probably live in the same home. And and uh, you know, Unai Emery was a as a former Valencia manager himself, so. <laughs> You know, maybe Villarreal just become in Valencia just a little bit further down the road.
0: I, I guess you've kind of answered it there, but it, my, my question was going to be, like, with Unai Emery in charge, with the signings they've made, do you think that th- this is a pretty optimistic season for VRL? Do you feel like they are one of the logical contenders for that potential fourth-place spot?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. They, they they're. I'm looking forward to watching them this season. I think they have a, a really... It's not just the players that they've signed this summer. I mean, they already had... A pretty talented squad from from last year. I mean, uh, you know, Paco Alcacer is there. Uh, Chukwueze is is a really exciting player. Gerard Moreno is one of the the the, the kind of most reliable goal, sco- goal, me, goal scorers in La Liga at the moment. Uh, Pau Torres is a, is you know a Spanish international who's been linked with with Manchester United and Manchester City. Um, Raúl Albiol. I mean, I'm, I'm going through basically their whole team here mm-hmm. because it's, it's 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 exciting and they they've added. Uh, as you say, there are Coclan and Parejo. They've uh, they've signed uh, Kubo on loan from yeah. Real Madrid, which is an exciting one. You know, he looked really good for Real Mallorca last year, particularly towards the end end of the season. He was becoming a really consistent performer for them. So it, it's it's interesting. Will he be able to make the step up to a better team where the competition will be much stiffer for for places? Um, obviously they lost uh, Santi Casorla at the end of last season um, he, he left the club to, to go to the golf and um, yeah Kubo is one I'll be watching because I think there's potential for him to be an Odegaard figure this season whereby by the time we get to next summer he's going back to Real Madrid to be uh, maybe not a first team player for them but uh, an important squad player certainly for them he has he has that talent so yeah Villarreal Certainly one to watch. I I actually expect them to finish in the top four um, this season. I think they could even be better than Sevilla, despite all the talk of Sevilla being potential challengers. I think Villarreal have a a squad that on paper is maybe even better than Sevilla's. um, And yes, I'm looking forward to seeing them.
0: So reading between the lines there, does that mean that you think Sevilla finish fifth or do, are you saying there's a chance that maybe Atleti are the ones who drop out of the top four?
1: Yeah, I think that there is a chance of that. I think Atleti, Atleti um, until the, the win at Anfield last season, that that kind of looked like what was going to happen last season, but the, was that they were going to finish it of, of, of the top four. And, and I don't know what happened at, at Anfield. Maybe it was the 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 elixir of Jurgen Klopp that they drank from, you know, (laughs) that that rejuvenated them for the last part of the the season. Um, I actually think it was more Marcus Laurenti being converted into an attacking midfielder that kind of changed their season. But there's signs that the effect of that is starting to wear wear off. And so, yeah, if you ask me to predict right now, and this is where I look really silly next summer when Atleti have won the title, I think it will be uh, Real, Barca, So, probably, yeah, and then Via Real Sevilla. I can't pick between those two for third and fourth, and then Atletico Madrid uh, fifth. I think it's what I expect.
0: Llorente, like like figuring out how to use Llorente and him playing well, is probably more likely than them drinking an elixir of Klopp. But I still prefer the <laughs> idea of that being the way they solve things. Uh We should talk to S- Sevilla. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, but they have, uh it does feel like they've strengthened. Obviously, they're coming off of yet another Europa League win, as is tradition. They have lost <laughs> a few players, including Banega. Uh, to me, their signing seems solid. Suso from Milan, Rakitic from Barcelona, Marcos Acuna from Sporting CP. Uh, do you mm-hmm. like what you've seen from them this summer or are there still some pieces they need to bring in to make sure that they're challenging for that top four spot?
1: Yeah, I, I do like some of the business that they've done, particularly Oscar Rodriguez. Um, Rakitic, you know, he's had a tough time at Barcelona from some of their fans in the past couple of years, but I, I still think there's a, there's a good player there, certainly for, for Sevilla. So it'll be good to see him go go back to, well, I was going to say, go back to a place where he, he's loved, but you know, with no fans in the stand, he's probably not going to feel the, much of that love uh, yeah. this season. But on social media, his social media might not be as on fire as it has been for the, la- the last two years. But yes, as I, I, I alluded to kind of earlier in our chat, it's a goal scorer that Sevilla are missing. They sold um, Ben Yedder to, to Monaco last summer. He'd been brilliant for them and they never really replaced him. Um the replacement was meant to be Luke de Jong. He found a little bit of form towards the end of of, of last season, but it says a lot that around about Christmas time he was being dropped for for uh, Mounir El Hadadi, who's never been much of a goal scorer. Um And yeah, de Jong just uh, you know that way sometimes Taylor, you just there's just a player who it just doesn't work for yeah. them in a club, and mm-hmm. you just you just can't figure out why it is he's scored goals galore in... Holland he's got a good national team record it's just not going to work for him at Sevilla so I think that's that's the the issue is they they need to find a goal scorer and looking through the players that they've signed yes there are some good names there players that will improve them Suso is is a good signing as well uh you know permanently um but they need a goal scorer
0: and then final question for you uh, as we record the table is slightly confusing because it is not your usual top four you would expect a big part of that being that Madrid have played the one game uh, Atletico Madrid Barcelona have played zero games so far so we have Granada you and mean Ra- that you don't,
1: you don't think Granada are going to
0: win the title I, well that's my question are they Graham? no that's not my question but my question <laughs> is with Granada and Real uh top of the table right now with six points, Vigo fourth with four points, VRL in between we've already talked about them though so they're fine uh, of those three Granada, Real and Saltavigo Vigo. Who do you think stays closest to the top of the table this season?
1: Oh, that's or will Granada question. win it? You can go
0: that route too if you want.
1: <laughs> that would be quite a uh, quite a prediction. Yeah. Uh, Granada, uh, yeah, they had a good season last year. There was there was actually I know you know we're talking we're joking about this, but I think as late as October, maybe even that Granada were actually top of the Liga last last season. They you know they had a great start of the season. Um, you know, very well organized team um i think Real Betis, you know they they have the quality you know they they've they've got really good players you know you're you're looking at uh, fakir you know if uh, he's one of the best players in the in the liga on his day so you know he he could he could if he finds consistency over the the, the, the whole season then yeah he he, he could turn them into a, a real force you know they've they've got uh, you know the the mexican uh, youngster whose name i've forgotten do um uh, Diego uh Lane is, mm. sorry uh, you know very talented young uh, Mexican you know so uh, basically the point i'm making in terms of of, of their team they certainly have the, the strongest side South Vigo are a funny one they also have a strong a strong team iago aspas is is probably one of the best forwards in la liga and the last two seasons he's saved them pretty much single-handedly particularly two seasons ago he saved them from uh from relegation they have, you know, good players in midfield. Denis Suarez has kind of rediscovered himself at, at, at Celta Vigo. Uh, Hugo Mayo is, 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 you know, a very good fullback for them. So they also have quality. So it's, it's an interesting one, those three, because Real Betis and, and Celta Vigo certainly have better squads on paper. But Granada last season looked very well organised. And uh, yeah, they might actually finish the best of the bunch of those three. I may
0: have said this last year, but I will say it again. Looking at Rabatis' roster, it really is just a who's who of like, oh right, that guy. <laughs> like, there are yeah. so many of those for You yeah, got Claudio like Bravo like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, William Carvalho, Canales. He was good
1: for Barcelona. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's just there's just so many of those types of names. I'm really excited about that. I'm really, as, as always, excited to talk to you about La Liga. I cannot wait to title this show why Graham Ruffin guarantees that Granada will win La Liga. Uh, I probably won't title at that but i kind of want to for trolling purposes but for now graham thank you very much for taking all the time uh it is greatly
1: appreciated thanks taylor it's always good fun